Right, children, I see you've been doing a good job of colouring all, all your people, which is great, because we're going to think about gatherings today. We're going to think about Jesus' gatherings. Excellent. We're going to have them up in a moment. Depends who it is. We're thinking about Jesus' gatherings, and this is one of Jesus' gatherings we see here. So the first thing we note from this, it, this is about Jesus. It is for Jesus' honour. As it says, it says, they came together for a dinner in the honour of Jesus. It wasn't for them. It wasn't for their own personal likes. It wasn't to satisfy them. It was to honour Jesus. And that is the start of this gathering. So the first person we need is Jesus. Has somebody got Jesus written on the back of their person? Is, is he ready? George? Would you like to come and stick him up? Bring him out. Because we need to make a gathering. We need to see what a gathering is going to look like. You come on up, up, George. George. We're going to stick him up on here. Do you want to stick him? Or shall I stick him? If we put some blue tack on, should we put it on his head? There. Do you want to stick him up? Wherever you like. You choose. Great. Oh, he is a gorgeous Jesus. Look at that lovely, smiley face. So Jesus is here for the gathering. As Alice said... When we start, that's the fundamentals about what it means to be a people of Christ that are gathering around Jesus. So, so our gathering is around Jesus. We've got that first of all. But who else is there? So let's have a look. So what does the text say? So it says, Martha served. So Martha's there. Who's got Martha? We could pin Martha oh, up. No, we won't pin Martha. Nina's got Martha. Oh, excellent. They're a team family effort. So Martha was there. So Martha was there. She's the servant-hearted one. She's the one, the pastoral-hearted. She's the one who just wants to look after all these people. She wants to gather them together to make sure that it's a place they want to be because they feel cared and loved. So she's there to look after everyone to make that happen. Who else is there? Carry on. Well, Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Who's got Lazarus? Come on, you're not going home until we find him. <laughs> Is anybody going to admit to having Lazarus? Yes. Yes. Yay! Hey! Okay, excellent. I tell you what, so if Lazarus. he's not quite finished, you can finish him later. If you yeah, want yeah, to. you can do a bit. It's not a problem. Later on, you can come take him off. And you can take him, him off when you come back. Put him up for the moment, because we, we need to make sure they're all up? here. So Lazarus. So it says Lazarus is at the, at the event. Now, right. what do we know about Lazarus? Can anybody tell me about Lazarus? Where's he going to go? He was raised from the dead. Thank you very much. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Well done. Lazarus is there because he wants to worship Jesus for what Jesus has done. He has an experience of Jesus. And we'll see later on is that is what draws people into this gathering. So Lazarus is there. And he's there from the bottom of his heart as to why he wants to witness and give thanks for Jesus. Now, it also says here that Lazarus was reclining at the table. This is a bit of a relaxed affair. They're having a bit of a relaxed event. Martha's not. She's busy serving. Oh, okay. Lazarus is flat out. But it's a relaxed affair. You know, Jesus invites them in. Jesus wants them to be around him. And comfortable in that place. Uh, they're reclining. I'm sure we can all manage that. Right, so who else is that? Well, so whose house are they at? They're in somebody's house. 
Now, it doesn't actually tell us in this account, but it tells us in Mark's account that they are at Simon's house. So who's got Simon? Hey, well done. So Simon's here. Now, Simon is known as Simon the leper. So Simon has... Does anybody know what leprosy is? Any of the children? It was a skin disease that was considered unclean. So not only would it have been wrong to be near Simon, it would have certainly not been a good thing to be in his house. But again, Simon has got something to be thankful to Jesus for because he has been uh, freed of his affliction. Again, his thankful heart. So it's a a relaxed affair, and there's lots of people here, a mixture of people, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But there's extravagance going on in this place. It's not just chilled out. There's extravagance. We come to Mary. Who's got Mary? Yay, Bethany. Excellent. So here comes Mary, and it says in this account... It says, Mary took half a litre of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And it tells us later, this was a year's worth of perfume. It cost a year's worth of earnings for this perfume. This is extravagant worship. She is pouring out. Now, Mary, this isn't... Jesus' mum we're talking about. This is a Mary who had probably an unfortunate career. She didn't have quite the right job. And this perfume would have been part of her workings before this point. But she has again been forgiven by Jesus. She is there because she wants to give thanks for what he's done. So she has come and she is pouring out. And what we see when we see that is that not everybody's happy with that. But she is confident in herself. She's got no shame. She's got no judgment on her as she worships Jesus. And the house is full of that fragrance. We can smell it. We can smell the worship. Isn't that amazing? So she's not afraid to be different. Uh, Mary is not afraid. Like King David said, I will be even more undignified than this. And some don't like it. So who doesn't like it? Well, we find out it's Judas. Who's got Judas? Because Judas is a party. Bring on Judas. Now, what do we know about Judas? One of the children tell me. Come on, what can you tell me about Judas? What did Judas do, Joshua? Come on. He betrayed Jesus. He did indeed. He's an opponent. He's an antagonist. But he's welcome at the gathering. He's reclined at the gathering too. And worse than that... He's a thief. Jesus knows that Judas is a thief. He's at the gathering. It even says in here, he's the person who puts his hand into the money bag when you pass the collection round, not the person who puts the money in. He's here at Jesus' gathering. Jesus doesn't have a problem with that. Jesus welcomes all of these people into this gathering. So we've got disciples. Any disciples, bring them up, stick them on the board. So we've got lots of disciples. So this is what the gathering looks like. It's a motley assortment of people. I mean, the disciples on their own were a bit of a mixed bunch, but 
put together with the leper, the man raised from the dead, uh, the Mary with an interesting career path. There's a challenge, isn't it? It's a motley bunch of people gathered together. Okay, when you've got your people up, you can sit down on the floor if you like. Oh, you're back to front. There we go. More. Is that all of them? Brilliant. So we got one. Yes. Oh, yes. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> So we've got this motley gathering. It doesn't look like your super idea of how we should gather, but this is what Jesus attracts around him. Do you want to go and choose somewhere to stick it? And then we read on. But a crowd is attracted because of this gathering. A crowd is wanting to come. And it says, um, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. So why do they come? Why do the people come? There's a crowd outside. Now, children, who were here at the fun day? Everybody at the fun day? Yeah. There was a great big crowd outside, wasn't it? Wasn't it amazing? And there's a crowd outside this place coming and saying, what's going on in this gathering? Why is it happening here? Now, the crowd didn't come here because there's fantastic burgers outside. To be fair, Jesus would have fantastic burgers at his gathering, but that wasn't the reason these people are here either. And it wasn't even because there was an inflatable nightclub inside Simon's house. I have to say, I think if Jesus could have got inflatable nightclubs, he would have had one in his house. But he, that wasn't why these people are here. These people are here because they have heard that Jesus is doing something. There are people here who witness to what Jesus has done for them. And that results in extravagant worship. Because these people have got something to give thanks for. And they pour out their heart. And the crowd come because they want to experience that. They want, if we put it in a term, they want part of the action. The extravagant worship. The sense of thankfulness for what they've received. And they want to celebrate. And then what we see, as the text goes on, the next day, they celebrate Jesus as the king. So, I'm going to hand that on. Oh, oh, the king. What, we've got a king, haven't we? Have we got a new king? Yeah, can you remember what his name is? What's our king of England? Britain. Charles, that's right. Yeah, King Charles III. It all feels a bit strange still, doesn't it? But we do, we celebrate Jesus as the king, but he's not the king of Britain. He is the king of the world. And we're going to make some crowns to remind us that Jesus is our king. And so at the back, I have got, and I'm hoping I might need one or two adults, maybe Hannah, if she can, to help with making some crowns. So if the children want to come to the back, can I suggest you bring your felt pens with you? And that would be a good way to tidy those up at the same time. Come and join us. Hello. Okay, while the children do that, 
We're just going to dig a little bit deeper into this gathering that we've seen form in this, in this passage. So the first and foremost thing, as we said, is that it's about Jesus. Jesus needs to be there. That is crucial to what it is to gather as a people of Christ. You know, I mean, okay. What else does it mean? Well, what we see is it's a bit of a messy gathering. There's a mixture of people here. There's a bunch of people that have different reasons for being here. It's a bit messy. As we said, we've, we've got Mary, we've got Simon the leper, we've got Judas. It's tricky, isn't it? It's a whole mixed bag, and it's difficult. Outside, we've got a sign that says, Everyone welcome. Is everyone welcome? Yeah, I think they are, but we sometimes struggle, don't we? And we, we can sort of think, Oh, hang on a minute the unclean maybe should just stay outside or stay off the forecourt or you know we just have that struggle but Jesus doesn't have that struggle he means it they are all there the sick the unclean the forgiven and yet even those who are not yet reformed we see the forgiven who have turned around but we see those who have not we see the thief who is the person who puts his hand in the money bag but Jesus says you are Welcome. So why are they here? Well, they're here for Jesus. They're not here for their benefit. They're here because Jesus is here. And they want to be a part of that. It's not a habit. They didn't come here because they always come here. They've come here because Jesus is here. And they're not even here because they can't watch it at home on YouTube. They want to see and experience it for themselves. And just on that point, I, you know, I was really challenged. We've always been challenged about that. You know, should we be online? Should we not be online? We still have 50 people every week who at some way or another interact with us online. We don't know who those people are. We don't know what it brings. But if one person gets some of the message of Jesus Christ from that, would it be worth it? I think it would be worth it. And that's a challenge we've got to, to think about. So these people want to come and they want to experience. Do we want people to come and experience that with us? Do we want them to come in and find that heartfelt worship that is poured out because of what we have received? You know, they haven't come because we've got great music. It's important that we do have great music because that's one way we connect and we can feel for that. But that's not why these people have come. They haven't come because we've got great teaching. They've come because Jesus is doing something here. Jesus does teach them, and we'll come back to that. But their gathering is because Jesus is in the midst of it. Verse 18, it says, They had heard, and they went to meet him. Now gather, interesting enough, I realized this morning when I was praying, has a double meaning in a way. We can gather by coming to the gathering and we can also gather and bring to the gathering and of course that's the truth of what happens here these people's gathering gathers others these people draw a crowd because they have come together to worship Jesus in a heartfelt way and that's what goes on 
So do they meet him when they come? Do they come to a gathering and do we meet him? And of course, Jesus isn't dead. He's in heaven. But he has sent his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit who, as Jesus says, we will do more with that Spirit. So they want to come. They want to see. They want to experience that. So we talked about teaching. Yeah, Jesus does teach them. Uh, and it's interesting, the Greeks here, we got the Greeks arrive um, a bit later on. We find uh, uh, verse 20, it says, uh, some Greeks arrived. And so these aren't normal worshippers. They were believers, but they weren't accepted into the fold because they weren't Jews, um, but they believed. But they're interested. They're, they're, they're well-educated, and they want a tasty morsel. They want a bit of a, a debate. And, and so they come in, and they start asking questions. And Jesus responds. Jesus always responds. And he responds, but he says what they don't like. They don't like what they hear. Verse 25, Jesus says, Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then 26, it says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So Jesus doesn't say what they expect. He doesn't say what they're comfortable with. And they don't like it. And there's a great irony in here, and it makes me laugh. In verse 34, they use Scripture to tell Jesus he's wrong. And that's always a good trick, isn't it? And they then say, 34, it says, The crowd said, We've heard from the law the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? So they come. But in the midst of all that, so Jesus has got something to say, but it isn't always what they want to hear. But then in the midst of this, they hear God speak. They all hear God speak. And it says, A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd heard it, and they said, An angel had spoken to them. And that's the truth of it, that God speaks into that situation. They see what Jesus does. They hear God speak. They want to be a part of it. Uh, We were challenged recently uh, leadership in in terms of thinking about why are we different from a social club? Why are we different from a book club? Why are we different from a concert or something like that? It's a really good challenge. And it's a challenge that every church, I think, should wrestle with. And the truth is, it has to be about this. It has to be about God speaking. It has to be about the Holy Spirit doing things. Because if it isn't, then we might as well be that. We could be a really good social club. We could come together and look after each other and think that's all great. But actually, if Jesus isn't doing stuff, God isn't speaking to us, then that is what we would be doing We could even study the Bible, but we could as equally be studying a really good novel and looking at the historical context of it. And if God isn't speaking, then that is what we could be doing. We could be supporting a concert. We could be following a football team. We could even be worshipping our latest celebrity. So it has to be about Jesus. Our gathering has to be around him. And if he doesn't show up, then what are we doing? So it's tough words, and it's be challenged by it. I am hugely challenged by it. I've been hugely challenged by it over the pandemic. 
uh, as we come back together, and this is why gatherings become important, because as we struggled to come back after the pandemic, just about everybody had an opinion as to what was going wrong and why everybody didn't come flooding back. And it was, oh, it's because of habit. People have lost the habit. Um, oh, it's because you're online, and if you weren't online, there wouldn't be, it's like, okay, uh, or it's because life is busier and this, that, and the other. I mean, there is a truth, in actual fact, what the pandemic did is accelerate trends, massively accelerated trends, and I think as churches we've seen that. But of all those reasons, and start to think, is that the problem that we should be addressing? And I don't buy it. I've never bought it, and I've always challenged and struggled and think, well, why? What is it that we should be doing? And I think this is it. I think I come to this and realize that Actually, people want to come and meet Jesus. They want to come and experience Jesus. They want to come and hear God speak. And that is the reason they will come back after week after week, is if that is systematically happening. And if it's not, then the habit isn't enough to drive them. The, the, the sense of, oh, I can do it a different way isn't going to drive them. They'll want to come because the first century account doesn't support any of those other problems. It doesn't tell us that that's the issue. It tells us that the solution is Jesus doing stuff. It tells us that the Holy Spirit is welcome to do what he wants to do in this place. And we would be witnesses to that. And our witness and our worship would reach a world that would crowd to find out and to be a part of that. So talking about witness, we, we're going to spend a time, Alice now, yes she is there, just you know, sharing actually what is God doing? What can we witness to what God is doing? And then we're going to come and the children are going to come back and we're going to sing Jesus is the King, I believe. So I'll hand over to Alice. Yeah, so as Andrew's been... Fun. Okay, brilliant. Right, that's fantastic. We celebrate Jesus as a king. We're going to worship some more in a minute, but I just want to draw us on a little bit in this passage because there's more. We've realized it's about Jesus and there's heartfelt worship towards Jesus. But as we read on, and when we chose this passage, we chose 12 and then into 13. Now, I wasn't quite sure why at the time, but studying it become clear. Because we read on into chapter 13, and this is the next gathering that Jesus experiences. And what happens was, in the middle of that meal, it says on verse 4, it says, he got up, that's Jesus. So Jesus is the gathering all of these people. And he says, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. This is wow. This is a wow moment because this is the point where the Yahweh God, the God they worship, suddenly is different from all the other gods of the ancient Near East. Because all the other gods of the ancient Near East, it was about them. And all of a sudden, our God has come down and it's about you. It's about me. Jesus says, I want to minister to you. He's different. We start to see all the miracles that have happened. They're not just signs that point to Jesus. They are a God who comes and says, I want to restore my people. I want to restore my creation. I want my creation to know me. 
So those miracles come into view for what they are, a God who is different. It's not all about him. And the ancient Near East worship was all about the other gods, and this was not this case. So do we let him? When Jesus says, I want to wash your feet, do we let him? We struggle, don't we? And there's something about a gathering. In the Bible, we are very clear that the narrative in the Bible is very clear that Jesus' power is reflected by the body of people around him. There is no doubt that Jesus reflects that as he goes through the Gospels and his the miracles start to diminish as the opposition arises, as he finds himself in that place of opposition. And we've experienced that. If you've been to gatherings, you will see miracles happening in those places. So there is something about the gathering. So do we let him do that? Do we allow, as Alice says, the Holy Spirit is here, but do we let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do for us? Are we willing to be here to worship him and to allow him to minister to us? And that's the challenge in it. And it challenges us, but it matters. It matters as we've seen today because it's that experience that fuels the worship. That's why Mary is pouring out a year's worth of salary. Can you imagine that? Spending a year's worth of your salary just to worship Jesus because of what he's done. That's what's going on. So he pours out. So if we don't let him do that, it doesn't come. It draws the crowds. We see the crowds have come because of that. And it enables us to minister to one another, and Jesus says that in here. But it challenges us, and Peter is with us on that. Peter struggles with it, doesn't he? Peter says in verse 8, he says, No, says Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And maybe that's like us. We say, actually, no, I'd rather not do this here, Jesus. Can we just do it somewhere else? But Jesus is totally uncompromising. It is absolutely striking in this text. He just turns to Peter and says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. He pulls no punches in this moment. He's completely uncompromising. It's simply not all right to allow the God who has come to us to minister to us as he wants to. Because it's from that place that we can minister to one another. It's from that place that we can minister to a broken world. We come together as gathered church to be what Jesus intended to be. And it's from that place where we have received that we pour out our worship. And that pouring out of our worship enables a broken world to see that there is a God. To see there is a God who is here, who is doing things, who is trying to bring creation back into the order it should be. And when they come, they realize that it is one God and it is the God that we worship that does that. It's challenging stuff, but I just so believe that Jesus is uncompromising in that place. So we are going to worship more. And I would say let's bound up and come into worship. But actually, what I encourage us all is to reflect for a moment and to let the worship rise. We all have stories. We all have experience of what Jesus has done and what we've seen. Let them be the fuel that drives our worship. Let them be the witness that we make to the world.
and let that drive all that we have for Jesus. So I'll hand over to the band.